Again to the Snap No Tab podcast, Tony Cicchini with, you're not going to believe this, people. I want to shock you with this. Joe Cardinal is in town. He he didn't travel this week. I mean, I guess, what what is the world coming to when, when Joe doesn't leave town? What's up, Joe? Hey, I'm glad to be here, man. Happy New Year. Yeah, this is what we wanted to do. Wish everybody out there a happy new year. We'll get to that in a little bit. But I wanted to say that I got a nice call the other day from Nico Indovina, who's doing okay now. He was having some health uh, things, nothing like, you know, just annoyances. And um, and he's doing good, and he's still tied up, super busy. Basically no access to, like, an internet that he would need for this. But... We're going to try to get him back in 2023 on the podcast, for sure. And I got a nice email today from a guy named Barry Crane, who is one of the world's greatest artists. He does he did Spider-Man. He did my tattoo, my logo, the Tiger Man logo here that you all see. And I've lost touch with him, and he, he got in touch with us today, which was wonderful. And I'm I'm looking forward to hopefully – finding out if he's still in Chicagoland or in Chicago. So maybe I could go see him uh, in the spring when the weather gets better and, and all of that jazz. Uh, and yeah, that's, uh, that's it. And I, you know, I hope everybody has a safe new year, new year's Eve or new year, new year's weekend. And they stay, you know, and have, have a great 2023. What do you have to say, Joe? Well, yeah, I can't. Hopefully, we'll get Barry on the show because, as a comic book nerd, I've got a million questions and I just want to pick his brain. So, I love to hear his story. So, if he's out there listening, and I think he is, he found us via this podcast. So, if it did one good thing, it was putting us in touch with him. And so, hopefully, we can get him on. It seems like he knew a lot of people that we've had on the show, too. So, that's kind of exciting. There's a lot of connections there. So, pretty excited. But before we go any further, let's do our plugs, right? So, Yo. we've got seminars coming up, the, the kind of monthly seminars at jason benders and i believe that's the 21st saturday the 21st and then that sunday the 22nd is at uh, dupage martial arts and fitness so it's not kind DuPage of same. krav maga dupage that's right god my brain's already losing it um let's see uh obviously we'll have links below for everything there's always the digital downloads for videos support tony and also kind of the monthly membership uh, if you're digging this podcast, if you've been enjoying the guests we've had and some of the conversations, please show your support. Um, also, you know, just 
click the like button on YouTube and give us some star reviews if you're doing this on your iPhone. Whatever you can to show your support would be appreciated. Anything else to add to that, Tony? Yeah, the training for next year, the in-person stuff, three-day, five-day, or something like the Tri-C, just, you know, uh, uh, email me, sign up, and let's get her going. Let's book it because uh, 2023 is going to be like I'm jumping on the first opportunity that comes across. Okay. So if I have an opportunity, you know, it's all about making a living. Of course, you know, we, we, it's all about paying the bills and making a living. So if you guys are interested in training, let's get her going. Let's don't wait till like, Oh, I'll do it. In, I'll talk to him in June. It'll be too late. Um, so jump on it. ASAP it would be a great way to start the year for you guys. Um, to get uh, get the training in, and it covers everything. Like I, I teach the whole nine yards: fitness, self defense, sport, you you name it. Striking, of course, grappling and submissions. Uh, but yeah, I'm just waiting to get through the holidays. This weekend will be the end of it for now. Uh, and I know Joe, your favorite holiday is actually coming up, which is Valentine's Day. So that's another month away, though. Well, yeah, and that's one, you know, obviously with my celebrity, it's dangerous to be out and about when everybody's all worked up. So, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of like, you know, you hear like ghouls and fiends on, on Halloween. They actually stay inside. They try and avoid it. The same with me for yeah. Valentine's Day. You don't want it, you know, you don't get into the commercialization of what you care about. And that's the, kind of the way I feel about Valentine's Day. So um, I kind of have the reverse on it where, um, you know, the rest of the year is really what that is for me. You know, let the posers go out and do their thing on Valentine's Day. But, um, you know, the love life is for the rest of the year. How, how did, Let me ask you this. Let me do a little interview on you. Um, how does it feel being better than everybody? It's a burden, you know, like so much of my life. You know, I carry it. It's a cross to bear. Um, just having to pretend, you know, the people I'm interacting to, like, let's say co-hosts on a podcast that they have something to offer me, you know, but I do it out of the goodness of my heart. You know, I try to do that. It's kind of what I consider my good deed, you know? Um, so, but I'm sure that's, you know, you're a gentleman. See, that's, well, that's why you're better than, than, than everybody really. I mean, this is just another indicator of why everybody thinks it's, it's solely because of your looks, but no, you're, there's, you're like the onion. There's layers and layers and layers to you. Yeah, it's it's not just good looks. It's a winning personality. I mean, there's a lot to it. You know, you have to, to keep this A game going. But, you know, I, I you're blessed. Some people just are given this at birth and other people have to work at it, you know. And so uh, I do have pity for the rest who have to work at it. But, you know, such is my burden, you know, uh, carrying that. So, but I try to lead by example. Well, you're you're doing a fine job. So, you know what, it's, it would not really be a New Year's podcast or a New Year's presentation if we don't talk about New Year's resolutions. And, you know, I, I mentioned years ago when I was doing the daily videos on uh, back when I had a, what's that called? Facebook. I don't make resolutions really. You know, I, I'm i the type of guy that wants, if I want to do something, like I was telling Martin today when I was training Martin, I'll make uh, I'll figure out what it is, what I want to do. I research it. I get a plan. 
and then I follow through with it. Now, it doesn't mean that I don't alter plans, but really I try to get the ball rolling in my life and not use milestones like um, New Year's Day or this or that. It just so happens that, you know, I've been, you know, uh, I just, I, I've always been like that. But I will say, yeah, oh, for 2023, I hope this this happens or that happens. So I guess that, in a way, could be construed as a resolution. So do you have a New Year's resolution? Um. Not as specific, like this is the one thing that I'm going to work on. And maybe I should think about that. I mean, I definitely use milestones as a time for reflection. I mean, especially as I'm kind of getting older and looking into the abyss now, every birthday, every New Year's kind of has a little bit more meaning. You know, you don't know how much time you have. I mean, no one really knows how much time you could be young and this could be it for you. But obviously, the older we get, the more the odds are against us here. And um, so as I've gotten older, when I cross birthdays or when it's New Year's, I try to take that day and and even I'd say throughout the year, I'm thinking of what my plan is uh, in small terms, but it is nice to have kind of a start date. I like to even, you know, think in terms of like school years, you know, I've always, you know, I still take night classes and things like that. So, you know, kind of when, uh, what is it? I always get today's uh, Memorial Day and Labor Day. When Labor Day kicks off, you know, the end of summer, I start to think, okay, it's time to roll up my sleeves and get started. You know, like I do have kind of a cycle that I go through annually of, you know, working and focusing on things. And during the summer, I tend to chill out a little bit more. Although, and I also switch out my work up. So, I mean, it's I don't have a straight answer for that. Um, like or like a simple answer, I guess. But I, I definitely kind of do. Like I'm already kind of mapping out a plan. So that's more kind of what I would think of my New Year's resolution is looking at the year and saying, okay, what am I going to shoot for for my workouts? from my diet, um, what adjustments am I going to make? So, yeah, I think in a small way I do, Um, you know, like I'm one of the things I do is I, I kind of have a log. I've been doing this for a few years now, just how many minutes a day I spend doing whatever, whether it's practicing guitar, working on music, um, you know, going to the gym. I track that time just to kind of see cumulatively how much time I've spent on X, Y, or Z. Um, it makes me feel at the end of the, the year, I can kind of look back and say, oh, I actually spent 100 hours doing whatever that that thing is working on these different things. And I list them out so that uh, sometimes when I have time to myself, uh, you know, and I'm bored or whatever, I'll look at the list and say, what have I, n- I not worked on? You know, we I've had a few people from, you know, we've had some guests from the tracker school and I've talked when I've been out there. There's a ton of skills there that I still am woefully, you know, uh, you know, inadequate at. And so I'll, I'll keep those on the list and say, Hey, let's put 10 minutes in here today working on this or whatever. So, um, so yeah, I guess the new year for me is a time to regroup, to see where I've done things well, or other things haven't gone so well. Um, but there's multiple milestones throughout the year where I'm kind of reassessing and seeing where I need to adjust. So, um, and I think it's kind of interesting because yeah, I mean, it's not just new year's. I think there's a kind of a cycle of reassessing and reevaluating. And I think you do that too. I mean, you set goals for yourself. You just don't wait to execute. Once you have a thing in mind, you kind of implement rather quickly. Is that kind of what you're saying? In a way, yeah. Uh, Yeah, I guess that would be, but I do use milestones too. Like for me, I'm I'm like way weird. Um, I love March only because I love April more, okay? I've always said that April 1st, it is traditionally opening 
day for Major League Baseball. And I lived for that. So, and that's like, to me, the official, to me, that's the start of spring. Okay. Um, so I like to have things either finished. Like when I had my hot rod cutlass, I wanted all everything for that year. I wanted it done already for the car, either by February or definitely in March. So come April 1st, it's roadworthy and good to go. And, and yeah, I try to have my stuff that I want for my, you know, going on in my life. Um, taken care of because traditionally this is like before everything went south with my mom uh i i'm just a huge fan of spring and summer and in fall is kind of like the wind down um so now this will be the 2023 will be the first year in almost a decade in probably like a decade that um I'll, i'll i'll have a chance at spring I don't really necessarily have any plans. Like I'm not going anywhere, but I want, I've been ex- working out and now I'm, I'm uh, 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 pushing ahead with, with the workouts. And it's just coincidental that it'll be on Monday, January 2nd. It, it's not because it's the new year. It's just, that's just how it fell. Um, you know, with, with everything. So, yeah, that's my thing, Joe. Yeah, I do try to map out, okay, 2023 or next year, what, what am I looking to do? And maybe I don't look at the whole year, but I look at shorter, you know, sp- spans. You know, my life has been so chaotic, you know, with moving and then, you know, getting married, getting divorced, Kevin getting killed, Bob O'Brien dying, everything, you know, my dog, everything, blah, blah, blah. There's always been bumps, bad bumps. And uh, I don't know what 2023 is going to bring. That's why I tell people, if you want to work out with me, sign up now. Get it over with. Let's go so I can work around it. Um, but, yeah, I I just want everybody who's listening to, you know, have a great 2023. I just, you know, there's people. Like Kevin and I used to talk about this. Kevin was the best. And, you know, um, I'll clean it up what he said. But he used to say, if I could hurt somebody or help somebody, I'd rather help somebody. Why should I hurt them? Um, and that's how I am. I want to see people happy. There's so many folks in the world that we run into or you read about that just seem to want everybody to fail. I don't want people to fail, especially my friends. Why would I want friends or loved ones to fail? Man, I want everybody to be like superstars. Um, so that's what I wish for everybody uh, that 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 I know, or even those that I don't know. But if you're drawn to the Snap no tap, snap no tap podcast. That means that we have something in common, even though I may not interact with you. Man, just I want good things to happen for people. So that's really what I'm hoping for. You know, kind of in a longer term thing. So we always talk in kind of short term, like this is my three month goal or my goal for 2023. But you also do you think in terms of like multi year? I know you haven't really had a chance now. This might be your first opportunity now, kind of coming out of the the fog that was kind of being having to be full time care for your mother for so many years. But now being going forward, because it's something I struggle with, kind of like what's my my big vision for who I want to be. I mean, this is something I feel like throughout your life you should be doing. And a lot of times I think when we're young, I mean, maybe we get some lip service towards that. You know, if you have a you know some uncles or aunts or people who are kind of like your mentor growing up, they may try and encourage you to find that thing. Um, 
or, you know, whatever, like I said, school guidance counselors or something. Uh, but finding that thing and finding what, okay, what is the next 10 years going to be? I, I, I can't remember. There was some, there's a news guy I follow. I really like him. He's a, he's a, he's a, as far as news commentary, he's a fairly nice guy. He's not um, kind of bitter like a lot of these people that are out there. Uh, but he kind of, I think he put it in terms of like, what's the next chapter going to be? You know, what is your next chapter going to be? What are you? So there's, you know, we've written these little paragraphs in terms of months or years. But, you know, obviously you can't say what's the end. You know, it kind of gets too big to chew off if you're like, this is what I'm going to be for the rest of my life or whatever. But like in those kind of terms, that's something I'm working on. I don't know. I'm actually was thinking about you. You may not realize it, but I mean, I mean, it's kind of obvious, but at least one of your callings or visions is this being that of a coach. Um, obviously, because like you said, you just want people to succeed. You want to share with them knowledge you have and to make them better at what they do, whether it's fitness or being safe with self-defense. Um, and obviously you probably clearly had a vision or a goal of being a musician for part of your life. I mean, those were kind of the two of the bigger ones that I see when I look at you. Um, I mean, is there anything else or stuff when now when you're looking and this might be something you can't even answer tonight. I don't know if this is something you've stopped to think about. Uh, you're so you're kind of like in the day to day mode, I think, in a lot trying to yeah. get by. Um, but it may I don't know. Do you think it might help to think longer picture like, hey, this is what I this is where I want to be, you know, X amount of years out. Well, that's a good thing. I never thought about it. But, yeah, unfortunately, like, you know, you have a job. So you 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 kind of have that going for you. I don't. So that's. Probably that that puts the damper on any of my long term. You're married, so you know you got that. I don't have any of that, right? So my life would be more speculative, okay? Which isn't bad. I mean, because I mean, I'm not trying to compare our lives, but you know, mine is pretty much a blank chalkboard, right? I could I could literally um, fantasize or uh, what's the word wish or hope or think pretty much anything and it could be possible for me okay um maybe that is something i mean the big three three big things in my life was always the fighting the self-defense the music and shooting pool right those were the three big things um in my life uh right now though and i mentioned this to martin and i'm going to mention it to others out there that may be hitting a physical milestone you know i'm 50 this sounds like a kid. I'm 58 and a half, right? <laughs> so that means I got a year and a half to be six before I'm 60 if I live that long. So I'm really starting now, and I have been the last three months, to shift my body. Shift my body physically, physiologically, and mentally. Um, and I want to get to a completely different body form and body uh, exercise uh, philosophy soon okay like by spring or no later than summer because my birthday's in june so i want to have it locked in before i turn 59 because i want that whole year of, of of being 59 to have my body and my mind adapt to the new me so when it comes 60 i'm already locked in i already have a year it's it's not any it's no longer just a habit it's it's ingrained in me uh, we were talking about this today, Martin, because he's going to trim down as well, even though he's not fat. Uh, 
there's no reason for me to be 225 anymore, okay? All of my heavy lifting strength stuff, that's behind me now. I don't want to do that. Um, so literally, why, why carry the extra weight? But instead of just crash dieting, well, I hate that term crash dieting because it's not really an accurate uh, moniker, but I want to permanently reduce my body weight permanently without struggling. Okay, meaning, you know, uh, temporarily hit an, hit a weight and then struggle to keep it. No, I don't want that. I want to get to the, to, to the weight uh, and then relax and always stay there. Like, I always have that 5 to 10-pound window. I'll still have that, but at probably like 30 pounds lighter, okay? And I do have one proven track record in my life. I can keep that window, and I've been keeping that window for 30 years, this 10-pound window. For 30 years, I've kept it, okay? So I don't think I'm going to live 30 more years, but the last stage of my life, I'll be able to keep the window. So instead of it being way up here at 225 to, let's say, from 220 to 230, it's going to be like, you know, the 200 will be the the middle line, okay? so. I'm dropping it down. Let's call it 25 pounds, whatever. Um, so that's, but that's going to happen. That's to me, not even a goal anymore. That that's within my power. That's, that's going to happen. Um, but I like your thoughts of like, what am I going to be in 10 years? I, I can have hopes. You know, I hope I'm with a woman that, you know, loves me and we, we, we get going. I hope my business rebounds and I'm, you know, making a lot of money and training a lot of people and doing a lot of seminars. Um, sadly, both of those things are really out of my control. I mean, I've had my website for 30 years, roughly 25 years, whatever. I'm available, but I can't force people to train with me. I can't force a woman to, I mean, I don't even meet anybody living out here. But taking care of myself, this is something that all of us should have the ability to do is taking care of yourself, your body and your mind. Okay. And there's an interact, there's a, they're tied in together. So um, that's within my control. And that's what I'm going to, that's what I'm working on now. That's what I'm doing. So, um, and I'm going to continue that. So, uh, and you know, I'm, it's all science-based. It's So I already know by February 1st, I should be at this point, March 1st, this point, April 1st, this point, and then the rest is just gravy. So um, I'm looking at the next three months of intensity for me, but it's going to be good. Um, I don't know if we still want to stay on this topic or if we can shift gears a little bit. I did have some kind of fight-related observations or questions, and... um, uh, I wanted to kind of talk, so this is kind of specific, but it was um, on the topic of hold downs. And we use the term hold downs because kind of pinning implies that you're kind of competing and ending the fight by holding someone down and, uh, or, you know, just holding down for a few seconds or something. And I wanted to talk about, you know, uh, I think from your videos, some of the very common ones are the head and arm. That's, you know, I think one of your go-tos and the cross chest, the saddle, Um but there's also the concept of like rides and wrestling rides. And 
where did those fit into how you grapple your style of grappling and how you were trained? Are they used at different times? Um, do you separate those? Absolutely. And a lot of times I use the word pin and that's bad on me because it really is hold downs. Um, pinning is worthless. Holding a man down is what counts. Okay. I mean, pinning is not worthless in the sport aspect of it, but you know, in, in self-defense, if you just pin his shoulders and then he gets up, I, for me, I'm a very um, athletic. I move a lot on the ground, just like I would on the feet. Okay. Just like a boxer on his feet, moving, moving, moving. That's me on the ground. So when I ride, I don't ride where I'm locked in. Right. And a lot of guys do that. They get this ride and then, then what? Okay. Um, you, you have to separate sport, be it just straight wrestling or combat sport from a reality based thing. Um, and that's, Unfortunately, a lot of people don't. For me, I, there was no sport aspect of it. It was strictly self-defense. So writing for self-defense purposes can become very dangerous because you you have to have eyes in the back of your head. You can't be so focused on just the guy. And, and while you're writing him, you could actually, in essence, lock yourself up. We've demonstrated this countless times. So you know what I'm talking about. Um, so, yes, I ride. But I never ride to the point where I'm locked into it. I need to be able to bail, and I, I need to be able to see what's going on around me because I don't need to be blindsided. I don't need to be double-teamed, triple-teamed, or so on. So, um, But, of course, I love to ride, but it's more of I like to control. So I can do, like, a lot of blanket rides where I'm spinning and I'm this and that, and my legs aren't necessarily entangled on you. Um, that's where you get trouble, okay? When your legs are in. And and let's say you collapse the guy. Are you pinning yourself now too? Okay, that's what you have to look at. That's what you have to watch out for. Um, not in all cases. If you guys are isolated and alone, and you're having you're you're going at it, that's one thing. But um, you know, something sometimes that's all that people have. So yeah, I'm I'm a big guy on spins and and learning how to control um, more like a blanket. Um, and then you, well, I want, yeah, I'll kind of maybe swing back to that, no pun intended, but like, so if there was, if it was a combat sports scenario, would you switch gears? And then was there a time when you start to implement rides more than in that scenario? I don't think for me, I, see, once again, I'm painting with a broad brush here, but when you're riding, you're kind of limiting yourself. Okay. When you're locked in a lock locked in ride because you have whatever's in front of you on the opponent forget about yeah i know it's just me against the opponent and there's a referee i know what you're saying but the opponent's in front of me now and i'm locked in there that's limiting yourself okay you have to look at his whole body that's open for attack and when i do my kind of rides where i'm kind of giving you a little bit of opening or a little bit of space for you to move that's when i nail you I nail you on the transitions, okay? So sometimes uh, you can be so defensive, the, the, the other guy, that, you know, I, I'm, I'm relegated to just pounding you, pounding you, pounding you. That may work, okay? Um, that won't work if it's a submission tournament, okay? You're, you can't do those moves. So therefore, it could become like a stall. 
Um, and there's really no reason for that. But again, I have a different style of wrestling than than the most people where I'm so aggressive and I'm all over the place. Okay. I, I, I'm just not, I fight on the ground like I fight on my feet. You know, I'm all over. I'm moving, changing altitudes, angles. Um, that's just how I am. Now, I'm not saying this is for everybody. Okay. But this is just my style. Just like, well, I'm not comparing myself to Ali, but looking at Muhammad Ali's way of fighting, boxing, uh, opposed to uh, like a George Foreman or, or somebody that's slower and, you know, just moves forward and, you know, hardly goes anywhere. Now, I'm all over the place. So, um, and there's so much to it. There's so many benefits to that because it's easy to slow down and lock in a ride. That's easy to do, okay? But it's it's harder to learn to, especially on the fly, to step it up if you haven't trained like that. Because I believe you fight the way you train. Uh, so I'm I'm really explosive and or I, you know, when I'm it was in my prime, very explosive, all over the place. And you never know where I'm coming from. And that's important to me because you want to have that panic. You want to have that opponent to have that panic attack. Never let that opponent get set mentally or physically for that matter. Uh and 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 you can't ever let them figure you out. No matter if you're a striker, a kickboxer, you know, a boxer, whatever, uh, or or even a wrestler, if the opponent has you figured out, you're in trouble. So you just can't let them figure you out. Hmm. Okay, well, this this question might be irrelevant now at this point, but I'll say it. Who cares? Well, I was kind of thinking about: Do certain rides help facilitate certain hooks for submission? So yeah, and we're you know and. Yeah, and I don't know if there's like certain ones where, you, like, I would say stuff that people may think of as sport wrestling, like collegiate wrestling rides, and they may not realize, oh, this actually could lead to X, Y, or Z submissions. Other, okay, like a jackknife. Okay, like we call it a jackknife, where you're 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 getting the the rear the rear hooks in a guy, like you're going for a rear naked choke. Fine, you can go for that rear naked choke, but the guy may to block it, defend it, but you shoot your one leg. Forget about the choke. You shoot your leg through, like between his legs, over his knee, the back of his knee, and now you and you you slide off, and that's how you enter into short leg scissors. Okay, you can get um, terrific cranks, terrific toe holds from there. All right, so you set it up as if you're going for a rear choke, or he thinks you're going for a rear choke, but you're not. Okay, um, you're going for that short let's say a short leg scissor to the to the to the knee um or short leg scissor to the leg but you're attacking the knee or you go for uh like a frank gotch style toe hold or some guys will go into like a banana split you don't need to do that um i mean you can go ahead if that's your move but there's more crippling moves okay like the moves i'm talking about now or you can attack the achilles from back there you can go for the heel hook you can strike the groin, okay? If this is a street fight uh, deal, so yes, there are certain rides um, that'll facilitate certain things. You've got to know these rides, and you got to know where you can go with this and where you cannot go with this. And then you have to figure your your way to transition from ride number one to ride number two to ride number three. Now the guys, a lot of guys don't want to do or don't do that or don't don't really know how to do that. 
they don't know how to trans, you know, they talk about flow, flowing or transitioning from submissions. How many guys know how to transition rides? This is a whole nother level of training that a lot of people don't do. Um, it's elite stuff. And it, I think that depending on your opponent, you may not need it if, you know, if, if you're that much superior, but when you run into a stud, boy, it's great to be able to pull stuff out where this, again, this guy's like, oh, where's he coming from with this stuff? What's next? So, um, yeah, there's a lot of science stuff that, you know, of course I've never put on video because the, the market is so funny and it's always been that way. I guess they want to see the flashy or the submission things where that's, really not even that important it's all the stuff we're talking about now these little details that make you a successful fighter or a successful uh grappler that's really what you want to learn um and that's where i try to teach when people come to train with me uh these things you know uh that that elevate your abilities so yeah there are certain holds that you can get from certain rides you just got to, it just takes a lot of study, Joe. Well, it's funny you mentioned that because I was absolutely thinking this, that this would be a great topic either for a seminar or, or a video, even better, you know, or both, honestly, um, to kind of go through what I would consider a lot of traditional or mainstream rides and say, okay, here's here's the hooks and, and you know, maybe an opportunities for rips that people may not be seeing because you're so programmed from your wrestling upbringing. And I'm not very literate in traditional um like collegiate wrestling because I didn't wrestle in school. So I don't know those things. So even learning those would be good, but I'm excited about that. So that's, let's keep that on the, on the, the potential board for stuff to do in the near future. Well, there's so much to do, you know, um, and I don't want to give away too much, but you know, if I can remember things, it's a problem. I, I have a topic and then I don't remember it, but like last month when I was teaching the crowd guys, you know, I, I improvise because based on what they're doing, then I could say, okay, good. Here's what you do in this situation, in this scenario. Um, I, I, I think that, how can I word it? I'm going to be exaggerating here, but with this word, because I can't think of the proper word, but abandon the sport mentality completely for like months. All right. Uh, and, and I don't, maybe abandon is too strong of a word, but really get out of that mindset and learn to destroy a human being, learn how to destruct a human being. Cause there's so many things that you can do that aren't done because number one, they're not allowed. And number two, most people can't concept conceptualize it because they're in sport mode. Okay. Um, and you have to get out of it in order to see the bigger picture. And I had the opposite because I saw the bigger picture since I was a boy. And then when the sport world developed, because it came around later, I had to figure, when I was training guys, I had to figure out how to um, change what I do to fit the sport world. Okay. Um, but, you know, in a, my love has always been self-defense and nothing else because I predate all this sports stuff. As a lot of guys do, you know, um, sport, MMA, let's call it, is re it's 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 relatively new. It's thirty years old, something like that, um, in the mainstream. But there's nothing wrong with that sport, you know. Do it. But I I like my thing. I just like what I like. 
So yeah, I hope we can open up and start doing stuff uh, in the in the spring and so, well, definitely by summer. Um, and I hope we have good turnouts for these seminars. Um, there, again, people who say they want to train, there, there's more opportunity to train with me now than there's ever been. Um, and I mean that, you know, it's wide open to come train with me like the Tri-C thing or the three-day or the five-day or we're running two seminars in Chicago a month. Um, you know, the mem the monthly membership site or we can do this, you know, I, I have the distance learning now or still. Yeah. More more opportunities than ever. And we could even do on small scale like Zoom, like I do with Martin. But that would be a very small scale. I can only I would only be able to handle a few guys because of time, you know, because especially people work. So they don't they may only have some time in the evening once a week. So I would be limited to who I could train. But jump on it. You know, and I wish I'd said this earlier when we were talking New Year's resolutions, but I'm sure there's people out there listening or watching who thought I'm going to do, I'm going to train Tony, I'm going to learn catch in the future down the road. Well, this would be a good time to make that resolution and execute on it. And, you know, Tony mentioned early, he's, he's pushing 60, you know, so that's, you know, there's no guarantee for how long the physicality is going to be there. You know, I mean, God willing, you're going to be with us forever and healthy, but there's, you know, every year it's, it's a little bit, you know, there's a little bit more of a risk and this is, this is your chance. This is your time to lock in and do it. So, you know, don't hesitate on that. Make that your new year's resolution. If you've been thinking about training, if you want to learn these things we're talking about and, and feel it directly from, the, from the, you know, the grandmaster, so to speak, this is your chance to do it. I mean, Tony has a direct line hands-on, to that wrestling legacy in the past. And very few people, if any, can say that. So when you're feeling him put on the holds, it's just like Rod Von put the holds on him and goes back on and on how Fez did it. Um, so it's, it's really uh, once in a, you know, generation or lifetime opportunity. And it is surprising that people are kind of letting that slide. And I think, like you said, I think people get a little distracted, maybe, Maybe their goal is sport wrestling or, or sport jujitsu or whatever it is. They want to get the next medal or belt promotion. Uh, but really, those things are kind of fleeting and not as important in the big picture of things. Um, you know, when this is a tradition that we need to promote and keep on and keep the coach going. So this is the time to do it. And like I said, hopefully people are still listening. I know we've been talking for a while already, but I should have made that pitch earlier as a new year's resolution. If, if you're out there, if you've been thinking about it, now's the time to do it. Well, and you get the self-defense, which you don't get anywhere else. I mean, the actual, you know, not just grappling self-defense, right. But from the feet all the way down and you get, I, I've, I had the real world uh, experience and I, I still believe more than anybody in the martial arts world because of not just because of the environment I was raised in. So I got to see all of this and my brain was wired to it at a young age. Okay. So, um, yeah, you don't, you don't get that anywhere else. I mean, you do not, not in the grappling or all in, you know, and, uh, you know, the fitness and all of that. So that's, I think, my what I'm most proud of is is being the one-stop shop, you know, for, for that jazz. Um, but, yeah, no, I mean, and again, there's nothing wrong with sport, you know. Uh, 
if that's what your boat is, do it, you know, go, go the sport route, you know, but I know that there's a lot of people that talk about wanting to do self-defense, self-defense. And, you know, I, once in a while, I'll see video clips of self-defense instructors and everybody oohs and ahs to get millions of views and it's junk. It, you could tell that these people have never had the shit hit the fan with them. They never use this stuff because it's, it doesn't work. Um, it's too pretty. Doesn't work. Uh, so I, I know the stuff that works and it's not, it, it's simple, but it's hard because you got to work at it, man. It's survival of the fittest out there, mentally and physically. And mentally, man, it's who that that may take top priority. But anyway, yeah. Again, if anybody's interested, you know that I'm here. Reach out. Um, I don't do social media. That's Joe. Joe handles it. If I tell, sometimes I'll tell Joe, "Hey, Joe, say this," or Joe, run this ad. But you know, the best way to contact me is my email, strictly email you'll get a response um but you know this spring this summer uh i really you know we're all coming out of the covid thing and switch you know and and there's still remnants going on of it and people's lives have altered since covid since the lockdowns worldwide and um and now i think the dust is kind of settling. I hope we don't have a re- reoccurrence with what's going on in China or whatever. And um, now that the dust is clear for a lot of people, they realize, you know, I don't want to do martial arts anymore. I don't, I found something else to occupy my time. And that's good too. And now with the tremendous amount of concealed carry and open carry laws and gun laws, self-defense has changed. But see, that's the beautiful thing. I was exposed to guns as a kid, you know, with the neighborhood, you know, the the bad shit. So this is nothing new to me. You know, I'm used to the bad guys carrying a gun and you know how to, you, you, or a weapon of some sort. So you learn how to defend against that. Um, But I'm hoping that people out there now that, that the, like I say, the dust is settling, that whatever they decide to do, that they make a concerted effort to do it in 2023, you know, I want everybody to just hit home runs, man, you know. And and for me, I'm desperately looking for 2023 um, just to, you know, just to have some good luck finally after, you know, over a decade, 15 years of of just terrible luck, almost 20 years of just horrible bad luck i just want it to change i just really need it to change more than anything i hope it changes in 2023 for me well me too yeah let's make this a good year let's uh get things going and um you know i I was thinking about some of the conversations because we this topic has come up before with uh sport versus self-defense and one of the observations often i think some of our previous guests also mentioned when they were I'm thinking of um, Marcus Charles said this comes to mind where he said, you know, when he was growing up, boxing and wrestling were not considered martial arts, you know, and that that's something I think you've said as well, kind of independently well, sure. that it was not considered. And it's interesting because I think it's it's kind of a game of semantics, but I can in some ways I can kind of understand it. And it kind of goes to your observation about training for sport as opposed to training for self-defense. And maybe you'll disagree with me on this, but even though boxers and wrestlers are some of the best fighters on earth, they're the best conditioned athletes, you know, 
Uh, but the reality is, is 99% of their training, if not more, is within their rule set. So there, there won't be, you know, a, a, you know, a wrestler, a collegiate wrestler anywhere who spends any time, unless he's an MMA fighter now, um, you know, but definitely there's no coaches out there that'll spend, okay, let's spend some time practicing. How do you deal with someone trying to kick or punch you, let's say, or let alone if they have weapons, same thing with boxing, you know, as devastating as those tools are, you know, they don't train outside of that context. And I think that that at some subconscious level, people see that limitation and, and consider it, they categorize it in there. And I think the term combat sport is good um, to use that because obviously it's combative and these skills can translate over. But, and I think this is true even in jujitsu, uh, depending on how, you, how your coach approaches it, I, I don't know. But a lot of the skills that they're training or whatever the grappling style is, it's for that competition. They never think of, well, can the guy get to my groin in this circumstance or can he bite me or, and a lot of them get annoyed when you ask those questions, like, you know, it's, it's beneath them or, um, or they would just up their game if they were presented with that, you know, oh my God, if you actually dared to try those things. But um, I mean, what are your, what are your thoughts on that, that that maybe is leading to reason why people, A, categorize these skills as sports and not martial arts, and then how can that, as important as these skills are, how can those be kind of dangerous traps where you're not used to? And obviously, you know, with the advent of the UFC, a lot more people are aware now, you know, there was strikers who didn't realize, oh, I could be taken to the ground. So I think there's a lot more literacy and people thinking of that, but it almost feels like people are falling back into their own little sportive world. So even like grapplers now, maybe aren't as concerned always with striking, you know, they kind of built this whole world of either pinning sports or submission sports. Um, but there's still kind of a lack of focus there. And, and the I say martial focus. I can't disagree, but I can throw this in. Broad brush, but I'm speaking from personal experience here. So this is my world. Um, boxers had the advantage because every boxer that I personally knew came from a very bad neighborhood. Okay. Very bad environment was always exposed to street fights. And most of them got involved in boxing because of getting street fights, okay? Getting attacked, getting jumped, getting mugged, whatever you want to call it. So I'm not saying, again, please don't misconstrue that No, never happened to wrestlers. But I'm saying in my world, and without a doubt, boxing is far faster than jujitsu, wrestling, judo, because a boxer can take you out in less than one second. Bam, a hook, boom, a punch, a right cross, whatever, and it's over. That can happen. We know that. Even a wrestler or a judoman that throws you, that takes more time, okay, generally speaking. Or a punch, man, it can happen in an instant. And it can happen from, you know, weird angles and close quarters. That's what boxing has going for it. Um. So, uh, yes, all of these things are sports. They sure are. Uh, but it doesn't, it, I don't want to say it takes a rocket scientist and it, and it doesn't take an idiot. It takes somebody with a little common sense to start making and seeing things. Um, and, and I know boxers that when, when I was a kid, 
they would spar with karate men and stuff, and they they handled them very easily. Okay, so um, and again, that's in my world. The karate guys just didn't stand a chance. Doesn't mean that there weren't tough karate men out there because there are. I'm just saying the karate men that I saw against the boxers, no chance. And when I would spar with kids that, you know, my age that did martial arts or whatever, I'm not saying they were world champions, but just strictly boxing, no chance. Wrestling, absolutely no chance. Um, So I think boxers kind of knew that. They all know, yeah, they can get taken down. You have some boxers that think that they can knock a wrestler out, and they do have that chance. Um, I can't speak for the jujitsu guys that wasn't around when I was a kid and I didn't know any judo guys until I was older, but I just knew boxers, old boxers that all of them knew dirty tricks. You know, they would tell me how to elbow, how to bite in the clinch, this, that, you know, how to, instead of going for the solar plexus, you go for the groin, you know, these are old timers. I'm talking guys that were like world war two. Korea and like in between World War One and World War Two. Okay. So like guys that fought in the twenties all the way to the like sixties or whatever. Right. So they all knew these dirty tricks. Now, again, I'm not saying every boxer that ever lived knew these dirty tricks. I'm just saying I ran into a bunch that did. Okay. Um, so I, I don't think that everybody lives in a vacuum. I mean, I would hope everyone is aware of their limitations. You know, like I'm not going to get into a situation where I'm doing spinning jump back kicks and shit. We'll leave that for Terry Dow and Bill Wallace. You know, I don't do those things. <laughs> you know, so I wouldn't put myself in that position. Um, but you're completely correct when what you do and what, what I don't see happening now is taking these great sport-oriented uh tactics and adjusting them and making them for the real world okay grappling is 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 the most dangerous because you put yourself right there with somebody and generally speaking you're not moving anymore okay you're you're really slowed down and you are so vulnerable to 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 groin to all sorts of rips and gouges and you bring yourself to the weapon if the guy has a weapon you brought yourself to it and you better hope that you know it that he's got it and you can control it and get rid of it because now you've entered into that range so grapplers really put themselves in harm's way uh that's why the snap no tap video was about trying not to grapple in the street you don't know what's what's going on um it's it's you know, when I saw growing up the gang fights, okay, and I don't mean 20 on, you know, I'm talking like three guys, four guys on one. Like, it happened to me. I, I got jumped several times with multiple assailants. But I also witnessed it when I was young, young, before I even started training. And I realized right away the limits. I didn't know anything about wrestling at that point, but I knew boxing. And I knew the limits right there. of well, how, oh, this guy's getting, he's getting bear hugged. I mean, now three, four guys are jumping on him. <clears throat> so I saw all of that at an early age. So, and it stuck with me. 
on how to adjust to that. So I, I think that's what a lot of people need right now. They need to step away, like I said earlier, abandon sport training for a while and, and really envelope yourself in the real world um, and and get a, get a clue on, on, on just exactly what can happen. Um, and if you already know that, then that's fine. You're, you, you did it. But I know a lot of people don't know it. And I'm talking high-ranking martial artists that, you know, really don't have an idea. And um, there's really no excuse for that. Okay. There, there isn't. That's all I have to say. So in a self-defense context, where, where do you think, what is the value of learning grappling then? Well, you, so you become well-rounded because what if you get tackled? What if you get hit and knocked to the ground? What if you slip? Um, submissions are awesome, right? If you can break a guy's arm, if you can break a guy's leg in the right way, if you can put him to sleep. So it's all part of being well-rounded. Again, but to get to that level in a self-defense situation, you've got to be better than a sport grappler, okay? You've got to be much better. You have to know everything he knows or she knows and more. You have to be cognizant of vulnerable targets. You have to be cognizant of the fact that he or she may have a weapon, okay? Um, if you carry a weapon, you've got to learn how to use it, okay, in a grappling situation, okay? Not showing it off so quick, but, you know, waiting and being able to, to get to your weapon uh, in a grappling situation, okay? So to me, when I started just learning how to kick and punch, um, again, I was young, real young. Uh, there was a big hole. The holes were, I didn't know grappling. I didn't know anything what to do then. Once I started to learn the catch, it, it just completed everything. And mind you, I had more experience in self-defense than Radvan, okay? Because he didn't live, he, he went to church in my neighborhood. He didn't live in my neighborhood. He did years ago, years before, but he moved out. I was in it. I mean, I, I lived it every single day, okay? So, I mean, I knew people. I, we've talked about this before, so we don't re have to rehash it. So, I mean, this, in in many ways, I, I had a better handle on what would work in a street fight than he did, okay? Um, he came from a different era, so, you know, things were different. Just like, you know, same with Luthez, right? You know, or any of these guys, you know. Um, so that gave me an edge. And, yeah, all the moves, all the techniques, the hooks, this and that, that's fine. But sometimes I had to come up with alternative ways of entering into it or alternative ways of applying them, uh, modifying them where I'm not so all in that I could be blindsided or interlocked with the person. So I can't escape, you know, that, that was the big thing, making the, making a lot of those adjustments and thank God, Radvan, uh, what's the word, not emphasized, but, uh, you know, wanted that. He's like, yeah, yeah, go, go. Let's, let's go. Let's, let's go down this Avenue here. Let's, Let's work on this. Uh, he encouraged it. That was the word. He he encouraged this kind of thought process um, and this development, okay? And so I could make it my own. That's what 
that's what it's all about. Uh, even in the sport world, you can become your own. You have your own style. But again, you're, you're kind of limited with, within the rule set. Whereas with me, I had no rule set. So, um, but no, by make, make no mistake, you got to know the grapple. Because when you know the grapple, then you know when not to grapple. But if you don't even know how to grapple, then you're, you, don't, you, don't, you don't have any control. Just like you really know, you really need to know how to strike. And a lot of striker grapplers don't strike, or they don't strike, you know, properly. They don't move right. They don't have the footwork and leverage, and you know, um, all of this makes you so much more competent. You know, um, it just does. So, I don't know of any other way to be. Now, I mean, don't get me wrong. You could be a straight martial art guy and knock people out. It happens, okay? But how many times are you going to get in a situation? I want to make sure I have all my bases covered. You know, that's how I felt when I was learning all this. Does that make sense? Like, oh, I wanted good. to be well-rounded, but I wanted to be so well-rounded that I knew when to do this, when not to do this. No. Yeah, just because you have the tool doesn't mean it's the right tool to use at that time. So you may have some skills, but it, depending on the context. Um, it's also interesting, your observation. I never really thought about that. And I don't know if you can remember times, but like, was it when you said that Rod Vaughn would encourage things? So was it something in the midst of a workout where you'd be like, hey, I'm worried about this, or I saw this in a street fight, or... And he'd be like, yeah, let's work on that. Or, you know, was it, was it interact like verbally interactive where you guys would just start to improvise on a certain thing? At times, yes. And it wasn't even sometimes I saw this. It was, but I would be like, what if this happened? This is later on now. This isn't like in the beginning. This is later on. What if kind of things? Like I was thinking this, this, this. And, and that's great because um, in, in the real world, anything can happen. You just cannot prepare for every little shit and thing. You can't. So that's why you like music. You have to have the theory behind it. You have to know what all the chords, all the scales, and this and that, so you can just jam along. Like with me with the drums, I used to be able to play with to songs I never heard of, never heard before. You know, I would just want to know if there's any breaks. Are there any breaks coming up in the song? Okay, because we're doing this on the job, so you can't screw up. And I didn't have sheet music, right? So you're just, you know, you're you're winging it, and that's how you have to fight. You know, um, you have to know how to improvise and ha- how to how to move. Um, but you have to have that theory, that science, to back you up, and you cannot um, rely on flamboyancy or uh, high risk moves or low percentage, however you want to look at it or label it i mean you 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 can do all those things but separate that from when you know when 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 the shit's hitting the fan you've got to go to you got to have the high percentage moves and more importantly you cannot allow yourself to be exposed to danger okay you can't risk something okay and and that could potentially kill you it's so stressful joe i know guys that fall apart when they have to compete well imagine when your life's on the line you just don't know. You have to assume every encounter is going to be a fatal encounter. Either you kill him or he kills you. You, you, you have to believe that. You know, if you don't, you're, you're foolish because this is what can happen. 
it's a whole different world than any sort of competition, you know, um, cause yeah, you lose, you lose, you, there's you, you, you better luck next time. Well, in a street fight, there may never be a next time. You may not make it out of there. So it really changes everything. Um, and, and that's why when I train people for street fighting, um, I think sometimes they want to see the killer move. The one, like, you know, the one size fits all thing that doesn't exist. Um, the training, you have to do rudimentary things just like you would in music. Okay. You have to do the rudimentary things ad nauseum till you've mastered them and you can call on them, not only on command, but under high stress. Okay. The highest stress possible. That's the secret to be able to pull this shit off under the threat of death. Not anybody, not, and you know what, Joe? Not everybody can do it, okay? Not, just, some people just, they, they just can't, they won't be able to do it. And that's just the way they're built, uh, you know, mentally, or, and, and, or also could be because they were never trained under, you know, that kind of stress. Um, it's, it's a different world. It really, it, it, it is. And, and you know, what's funny, let me say this, when they talk about soldiers and sailors and Marines and, you know, police, even this, you're isolated, you're on your own in these scenarios. You, you don't have, you know, uh, world-class weaponry, uh, backup or, or whatever, you know, the whole scenario there, right? Um, you are truly naked to the world. You're 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 isolated. It's just you. And man, some people never they may survive that encounter, but never they never heal from that again. The exposure is just too much um, mentally, the PTSD and stuff. So uh it's it's a scary scenario. And a lot of people just are not prepared for it. I see it even now when, or, you know, through the years when I train people in sport, sport uh, aspects or whatever, they quit, they give up because they think it's too tough or they can't get it. They can't get the move. Others in class are getting it. They're not, they quit. See, these are the, I, I, I feel bad for these people. Sometimes I can reach them. Sometimes I cannot, but you're not going to survive in a street encounter when you quit that easily, when you get that frustrated or, you know, it's a sad thing to see. I don't get joy out of it. I feel bad, especially when I can't convince this person that you need to do these fundamentals. You got to get them down. Um, it's, I've lost people. I mean, I've lost people got killed that I knew, friends. Um, you don't get over that, right? Just like combat vets, you know, who they've lost, uh, you know, uh, friends in combat. It's something that sticks with you. And when it happens in an urban environment, it's no different. You know, you just, you, you mourn for that and you realize that that could have been me. And, you know, sometimes there's no getting out. You know, you'll, you'll, it's not like you're, 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 you're fighting a war and then you, 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 you leave the military. Now you don't have that war to fight. 
for some people, especially like the people that I knew myself in the neighborhood, it was a war every single day. Okay, every day, every day was was a war, and it's tough. So you've got to step it up. You really have to, and there's no tricks. It's it's a lifestyle. You've got to truly be a warrior. You can't call yourself one. You can't act like one. You can't get tight T-shirts and tattoos and think that's enough, okay? You've got to change your everything about you, your psychology, your, your diet, your exercise program, the way your habits. Um, these are things that sometimes aren't covered in martial arts schools, okay? Uh, the way you interact with people, how you talk, how you watch people. These are not techniques per se, like unlocks. These are life or death trigger points that you could see. You've got to learn these things. Um, there's so much to it. That needs to be covered. You know what I want to do? You talk about, <clears throat> I want to do a summer camp. I need you and probably one other person. You know, like you do your uh, uh, tracker school thing. I would love to do that here, you know, um, and have people for four or five days. Uh, but, of course, obviously I need I need help. I can't I can't do it all um, and really put them through the through this whole thing. Um, it's just hard because I seem to have a lot of people that follow me that that want to train and say they'll train but they don't follow through okay so therefore it it's it's kind of pointless um you know to try to put something together when it, as it'll it'll turn out no one, no one's going to show up but that that's one thing that I've always wanted to do and I think you and I have talked about this a few years ago before the pandemic I'd love to I'd love to be able to do that uh and it it would be it would rival any you know military based training cuz it would be devastating training here okay conditioning and everything else that that would I would love to do that one year without getting into too many specifics or as many specifics as you're willing to divulge what kind of lay out how how would that play out like what what do you what are some of the kind of things you would thinking about you know well i'm gonna just say this how to kill somebody okay i mean literally i'll say it um but and and there's a lot to that okay and it's physical and mental conditioning on top of any any sort of technique okay this is as serious as it gets period um and how to save your own life it's all about death. It's it's like a death camp. You know, it's like either you're going to kill somebody or they're going to kill you. Um, the training would be so ferocious. It would be so difficult. It would not be easy. Okay. And, and anybody that would be, if I was doing this, anybody that would be interested, they would have to realize that the conditioning alone would be probably would blow them out. And, and they would have to come several sessions, you know, several, this, like five days of conditioning, okay? And then 
three months later, if we do it, you know, we'll do it the, like you do with the tracker school. Level two is this now. Level three is this now. Okay. Um, you cannot learn this in a matter of a few days. This is changing somebody's whole life. It's almost like changing a religion. Okay. Um, it is a complete change. It, it would be the most intense and in-depth uh, type of training that I that 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 I would be aware of, to be honest with you. Outside, you know, I'm saying in the civilian world. Yeah, it almost seems like you'd have to have multiple levels. Because uh, you could probably burn someone out just on the conditioning, and then they're not able well, to do. Look, like even in the military or whatever, you know, you don't learn everything in six days, okay, or five days, right? You know, you got specialized training. Um, but what this is is <laughs> there would be a heavy emphasis on psychology here on on getting you to that point. Okay, of breaking down, okay, like falling apart or scaling the mountain. You'll know. I mean, you got to be pushed to that point, okay, so you know exactly where you're at. And if you fail, if you can't scale the mountain, okay, that's all right. Now we know. Now we know. Let's, let's, how far can we take you? You know, what's the point that you can't go beyond, right? So that doesn't mean, okay, you fail, get out of here. Now we know the point you can't go on, go beyond. So now we make you so invulnerable to that point, okay? And that's very beneficial, okay? So we'll get you as, as strong or as tough or as hard as we can to that level. The next guy may be able to go a little further. So now he's just as hard and tough as you are. But now he's gone a couple, you know, few yards further than you. And then the next guy maybe goes a few yards further than that. That's super intense. That's something that I've always wanted to be able to do. Have that kind of a of a program. Okay. And uh just never been able to do it. And again, I would need, of course, I would need assistance. You know, I would need several people to help me, you know, with it. You can't, no no one man can do it all. But it's a pipe dream. It's never going to happen, Joe, let's face it. But at least, at least I could pull it off if I, if I could. But, yeah, it's just one of those other, you know, dreams that, you know, I'm sure a lot of people have dreams that don't come true. Yeah, it'd be interesting for you to write something up, maybe not to share with anybody, just to plan it out, how it might play out. Like, you know, this is what, these are the things that would be covered and how, how the, how the week would play out. Um, just starting to organize on the hypothetical that it would happen. I mean, I know you're right. What you're saying is, I mean, people aren't showing up for regular training. So, um, but just an interesting idea. Um, if anything, just to kind of, you know, uh, codify it for yourself someday. Well, you know, your tracker thing is, you know, uh, the Tom guy that, you know, he, he's blessed that he had a bunch of people that just love it. And, 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 and they're, they're, they're in that lifestyle year round. Okay. Um, 
too many people in the martial arts do it as a hobby. Or now you got your the guys, your athletes. They want to compete. So you have your comp- competitors and your hobbyists. You don't have a lot of these lifestylists, okay? Um, like that's the only word I can think of, like what you have with, with the trackers. Um, and I get it. People have to worry, you know. Uh, they may have families. They, they, so that's why the martial arts may just be a hobby for them. But I can assure you, you will never become a killer with your hands by being a hobbyist, okay? You, it's a whole, it's a total life immersion, okay? You have to immerse yourself in this. And I mean, I, I know, I can't, there's a lot I can't say on, on camera, but I know a lot, I, I've been exposed to a lot of things and a lot of types of people, and you know this, um, and as hard as they get, and they come from different perspectives, so to speak. Um, and to do this would, would take the ultimate determination, okay? I mean, you'd have to say, look, I'm in this for the rest of my life. So a lot of people just, and I get it, they cannot make that kind of commitment. They can't do it. They cannot make that kind of commitment. And for some people, nor should they. They shouldn't make that commitment. You know, because this kind of training will tr- will change you, okay? It'll change your personality for the rest of your life, okay? You're, you're never going to be the same. It, 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 it's just, you know, it, it will change you. And you know what? That happens in, 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 in other aspects of life, much friendlier, let's say, like, People may get exposed to a certain type of food, and oh my, they love it so much that they're hooked on this for years. For the rest of their life, now that they've been exposed to such and such, they're going to do it, or types of movies, or things like that. Well, this is the dark side. Okay, you're you're getting exposed to the, the bowels of society and humanity. That's not for everybody. Some people still want to live in a Pollyanna, you know, rose-colored glasses life and, and bury their head in the sand or rely on a pistol or, you know, uh, you know, some, uh, you know, uh, shotguns or something and nothing wrong with that either, but there's, there's more to it than just that. So that's pretty much what I have to say on that. Hmm. Would it be, would you see it being a small group of people training or would it be a bunch of a small group training one individual what do you mean a small group training one individual? No, you said like you need assistance. So obviously if this is going to be like a... No, I would like a bigger group. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't want one person coming out here because then that that's not going to work, okay? Mm-hmm. That's just... You'd, you'd want a crew of students, let's say 10, right, or or so, um, 10 or 15, a group. And then you can uh, break them down into smaller groups but you want to make sure that people are paired up, um, that there's different sizes and different walks of life. That's important, okay? If everybody is an automaton, everybody looks the same and is the same size, you don't get that variety, okay? Getting this mixture is important. And getting that core of guys, that camaraderie in the training, and each person can 
try to pick the other person up, you know, emotionally, get them going, teamwork. But it gives me as an instructor a lot more options too, okay? Because once again, if you only have two guys show up, how much improvising can you do as an instructor? Because if if the one guy only does one thing all the time, there's no variety there. But when you get a big group and you can see how people react, and then that's when I can say, see, see what he did? Here's how you handle that situation. Here's how you approach that. You hear what he said? That's a warning. You see how he's standing? That's how he's vulnerable. See, that? that's the beauty of it. You can't do that when you get one or two guys. It's very difficult because no human being, no instructor on planet Earth um, can uh, see everything, right? But because of my improvi- improvising and the fact of uh, having all this science, when I see you do something, then I can say, okay, when that happens, this is what you do. But, yeah, I would love that. I mean, that would be great, um, you know, to be able to do that, just like the tracker school. And then how how often does he have that school per year? Well, that's the thing. And, and, and it's kind of interesting because there's a critique of the uh, tracker school, the way they're set up. and I think. So there's pros and cons to it. I mean, the answer to your question is, is usually they run their classes once or twice a year and they run them. So there's a series of classes. The first three classes, it's like a three week stretch. You do your standard, your advanced standard, and then then your tracker class. And then that opens up other classes to you, um, you know, that may or may not happen that year. So like they have the scout class. They don't always run that every year because by the time you've gone through three weeks, so initially, the first week, there could be 100 people there. By week two, it's down to 50. You know, like you start to, there's a lot of people who just want to get their toes wet. They want to experience it, and they they get their fill. They're like, okay, I did this, like, level one, let's say. Um, and that's as far as they want to take it. And so then there's the, the people who keep coming back or wanting to go further, and that's obviously always a smaller group. Um, and people break it up. So some people, I should say very few people do the three weeks back to back to back that from my experience there um i did not so the most i did was two weeks in a row i went there when when Dwayne, we did a podcast about it when Dwayne and i went because that had been the longest i'd ever spent camping or being outdoors you know each each time was an extension of well how long can i live just out of a tent just washing out of a bucket you know each one was kind of an endurance test for me um but there's people there were people there who flew from um taiwan there was a uh a woman and her daughter, you know, this was a once in a lifetime trip for them. So they were going to do the whole damn thing once, you know, it's probably a very expensive flight for them. Um, so, the, you know, going back and forth wasn't an option. Uh, so um, my point early about the critique about it, though, is part of the problem is, is it's kind of like a seminar thing. If you go to the seminar and you you, you fill up your notebooks and you do all the things, and then you go away and then you don't have a place where you can practice routinely. And I don't know if they have that. So what they're missing, and this, we had our guest, um, Joe Lau on uh, over the last year, great, great guy, but he made an interesting observation is that you kind of need that week to week. You need both. Basically you need kind of the intense, I'm going to go through a week thing, but you also, when you, 
when you go home or when you when you need to on go, you need kind of an observational eye to watch over you saying, okay, I got all this information. Now I need to practice it. But I need to also like, the ideal thing is like, if people who are living near that school, like they could be like, okay, Mondays and Wednesdays, show up at the, you know, we're going to have like a an evening session, learning whatever the topic is, just ongoing throughout the year. So the people who are willing to commit and, and relocate and be close by, they can have instructors over them because in some ways it's hard to really gain mastery over a skill in a week, you know, like unless you're gifted, it's going to take you time. You're going to, they can introduce these skills to you, but it's going to take weeks or months of you tinkering and working with them. And when you don't have an instructor watching you, like this is something I struggle with. So there's certain fire making skills. Um, there's a lot of trial and error. I've got my notebooks. I've got what I remember. You know, I've got stuff I can follow up on. But it's not the same as once a week going to like a dojo or a school where an instructor can be like, oh, no, you're doing this wrong, Joe. You're, you're, you should be putting more weight here or you should be using, you know, this this thing you're using is already used up. Move on to the next stick or whatever. So they're missing that component basically, is that they give everybody the kind of uh, uh, immersion, which is great, because a lot of people only have a week to give or whatever, but they, they're missing the kind of ongoing week-to-week, month-to-month training that if someone wanted to really master all these skills, I mean, they can on their own, and people have done it, um, but I think they would be a that people would develop a lot faster if they had both of those solutions. So yeah, you want to come out and just do the immersion fine and then try. But if you want to really get into this, because I mean that's what martial arts schools do, right? They they train instructors and those instructors go to different cities, and then you can go and train like you know two three times a week and have someone who's like at a black belt level look at you and say, oh no, you're doing this thing wrong, you know, because you can spin your wheels doing some technique wrong and and not know it unless someone's watching over you so uh, i'm kind of rambling here but i think that obviously they've got the intensive thing working but what they don't have is kind of the um for the average student how to take those skills and the good thing with distance learning now is you don't have to relocate like someone could do this intensive thing and then they could sign up to say okay i'm going to be part of the work from home thing where we do zoom and today's topic is flaking rocks. Like we're going to learn how to sharpen rocks and everybody, this is the materials you need, you know, literally take an academic approach. You know, that's how you learn things in school too. Right. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's taking the semester amount of time with an instructor, you know, over the course of three, four years. So um, I guess, yeah, I think it's a little bit of both that both, obviously if someone really wants to develop, you need those periods of immersion but then you need to do the day-to-day or the week-to-week work uh, with ideally with some oversight. Absolutely. I agree. And again, um, that can be done in a way via zoom, especially if you have a group and, you know, and you have everybody on the zoom, uh, you know, at a certain time uh, you can make it work again, though. and, And you hate to talk about this, but you have to bring it up. It has to be financially viable for an instructor to do that. Um, and yet it can't be so expensive that no one can afford it, but you know, there, there has to be a balance 
And that's where the numbers come in. You know, you, you have to have a crew. Uh, you mentioned, and I don't know if you were exaggerating, but you, you, you might have 100 people the first week and so on. Well, yeah, now you can price it. But if three people showed up the first week, <laughs> and then there's one the next week, the, 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 uh, that school would close. You know, it would, it would shut down. Um, just can't afford it to, to run it. So that's the thing. And the, the value is that how many tracking schools are there, right? So that, so you should be paying a premium for that. Just like what I'm talking about. How many guys know what I know? Very few. So you'd, you'd have to pay a premium. You know, for 25 years, I've been selling stuff and training people either for free or for very cheap. That would never happen anymore. It can't, you know, at this point, um, especially something this in-depth and this time-consuming that I would have to shut down everything else in my life just for this and probably the instructors that were helping me as well. So, you know, it, it, it boils down to a compensation thing is also, which um, sucks, but that's, that's how life is. Just like school, you mentioned school. You, you got to pay for school somehow, you know, um, and uh, yeah, that's why it, it's it's nice to talk about, but it's probably something that'll never happen. But absolutely, the follow up is important. You want to make sure that you're uh, going down the right path. And I think the Zoom would be good, like where you have 10 or 20 people that came for training, and now all 20 people from all parts of the country or world are on Zoom. Even if there's a time difference, maybe you have to break it into two two separate Zoom sessions every week. But, you know, as long as it's financially feasible, that would be great. And there would be that camaraderie, too. So they're all working out. They can all see each other. And, you know, that, that can tie them over until the next time they come for in-person training. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and I mean, you're absolutely right. The pricing would have to make sense. I mean, I don't know if it's something like, for the week intensive, it's a grand per person. But then for the monthly, like the follow-up stuff, you pay like a membership like you would a gym, you know, a hundred bucks a month or whatever. Cause you're not, you know, they're most, you know, you're not getting the same amount of time. You know, like you could be putting in 12 hours a day at the weekly, you know, when you're doing the weekly intensive. And that's that sucks up all your time. So that's where it was. But you know, if it's like, oh, okay, we're gonna do a 90-minute little lesson twice a week. That, you know, but it's it's a sustainable. So you're right. I mean, there there would be cost either way. Um, oh yeah, it would it would have to be a good amount of money because you you got to make a full time living doing it. Okay, you can't do this if you're only going to make let's say ten thousand a year because that's way below poverty poverty level. So you you'd have to jack the price up, or you know get a tremendous amount of students. We know that we're selling the ten dollar a month membership, and nobody signs up for that. So. Why even, I would never put too much effort into this because nobody's going to come, all right? Um, so that, that, that speaks volumes. Um, you know, how, how, do you, how do you get around it? I don't know. But all I know is there's a lot of knowledge that I can share that, that's going to die with me. And you know that because you've talked about that several times. And it's not my fault. It's not like, I'm not willing to, to teach it. It's just, you know, nobody wants to learn. Well, and, and once again, you may not be up for the all intensive 
you know, you meaning the listeners may not be, you know, looking at themselves and saying, yeah, I'm not ready for, you know, Marine boot camp, Tony style, but um, there's still three day, five day things they can sign up for. There are other levels that people can come out and get training and get good information and become safer and better fighters. And obviously keep this tradition alive. So I'm just kind of making the pitch one more time that we have oh, a thanks. lot of levels, you know, and uh, it's, you know, I mean, it's kind of fun to speculate on like what could be like the high end, uh, you know, SEAL Team 6 of Tony stuff <laughs> when he puts that together. But like you're right, know what you can do and be honest with yourself of what your limitations are. And you don't have to wait for this this program, you know, that we're, we're speculating. Get started now. Get started with what we offer now. Come on out. Get customized training at your level. I mean, we have a lot of guys who are not athletes, guys who are older, martial artists who are older who come out and learn. We have young guys who are athletes, and you can customize it for whoever their level's at. So um, there is stuff in place right now to get this knowledge at, you know, different speeds. Um so Tony's available now, regardless of this other stuff we've talked about. Um, just kind of want to do that as kind of a parting thought. Don't forget the seminars we have monthly coming up again. January 21st at Bender's Martial Arts and Fitness. Uh, January 22nd, Sunday at Page Krav Maga. I got it right this time. Um, <laughs> so uh, like I said, monthly opportunities already. And we are trying to reach out. If you have a school, if you're looking to bring Tony out. We're trying to set up our schedule for 2023. It's the beginning of the year. So uh, obviously we have limited time for those. So reach out to us and hopefully we can, you know, if it's coming out once a year to your place uh, to kick things off, that would be great. Uh, and if so, you're interested in being a charter school, we, we, you know, I, we're good for that too. So there's just no reason to say no. And you'll be the only, you'll, you'll, yeah, that'd be great. But anyway, let's wish everybody a closing Happy New Year. Thanks for sticking with us. And next year, which is in two days uh, or whenever you guys see this, um, we're filming this on a Friday night. Um, we'll start getting more guests. You know, we kind of cut it down during the holiday season. But, um, but yeah, that's it. So I want to say thanks again for another great year, everybody. And I want to thank all of the wonderful guests that we've had, you know, in our 108 or 910 episodes. And we've had a bunch of plenty of guests we'll have some of them back on again all of them are welcome again and hopefully we'll have some new ones so that's my closing thought no can't can't do any better than that happy new year's everybody okay see you